0: today
1: on The Journey. The Apostle Paul writes to welcome us to the life we have always wanted. In this letter, he would use two words over and over again, the words joy
0: and rejoice. He was under house arrest, chained to centurions, living a life that everyone dreams about, his days filled with purpose and great joy. Today, Ron Moore shares the secret of living that kind of life as demonstrated by the Apostle Paul and outlined in a short prison letter to his brothers and sisters in Christ. First, a word about Ron's digital booklet called Vital Signs. It's a 60-day checkup on your and your church's spiritual health. It's available for a donation of any amount, and you can get it at ronmoore.org. Your gift today will help further this ministry of developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now here's Ron with the message, welcome to a life of joy on the journey. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book
1: of Philippians, Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. The book of Philippians is a book of open doors. It's a letter the apostle Paul writes to welcome us to the life we have always wanted. Now, if Paul had typed out his letter to the Philippians, and he had sent it to you by mail, and you had opened it up, you would have only three pages to read. Not a very long letter. But in this letter, although there would be many topics, he would use two words over and over and over again. These two words, the words joy and rejoice. Joy and rejoice. Joy and rejoice over and over again. And if you would take the letter and you would circle every time he used the word joy or use the word rejoice, you would have circled 14 times in these short three pages that Paul says joy or rejoice. Let me give you some examples. Paul says in the first chapter, just four verses in, in all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy. A few verses later, chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Philippians chapter 4, 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Joy and rejoice. Joy and rejoice. Fourteen times over. Now, reading those words repeated over and over and over, your first thought would be, Paul must be writing from a vacation in Oklahoma while drinking vanilla Dr. Pepper from Sonic Drive-In. What other explanation could there be? Actually, Paul wrote this letter from prison. He was under house arrest in Rome. He had chains on his ankles, and yet he's saying over and over again, joy and rejoice. How could Paul possibly be so joyful in that situation? Look at chapter 1, verse 20. This will give you a hint. Paul says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. And then here is Paul's theme verse. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. To live in the confidence of Christ. To live with the satisfaction of knowing Him. To live with purpose and significance and contentment. Knowing Christ For Paul, that was joy. A life of joy, regardless of circumstances, depends solely on a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. A life of joy, regardless of what you're going through at the present, depends solely on knowing Jesus Christ. We are, by nature, sinners. We have within us a terminal disease of sin. And there is absolutely no way we can heal ourselves. There's no educational, social, or religious remedy for our problem. The only cure is Jesus. He came to bear the disease of sin in His body. He died on a cross for your sins and mine. And the moment you trust in Jesus Christ alone, as the only way you can have a relationship with the living God at that moment, you know true joy. Until then, you do not. For those who understand and experience that this joy comes from Christ, no matter what circumstance in their life, even physical death itself, Paul can say, for me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain because I'll be with him. Today, if you've not trusted in Jesus Christ, if you have not invited him into your heart, I challenge you to do that. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Jesus himself says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Christ says, I stand at the door and knock. And if you hear my voice, and if you want to experience true joy, regardless of circumstances, just open the door, and he'll come in. Okay, some of you are saying, I trusted in Christ. No doubt about it. And yet, I'm not experiencing that joy that you're talking about. So what am I doing wrong? Am I truly a Christian? What have I missed? Or what am I missing? Well, as we study through the book of Philippians, you're going to see two things that really stick out. The first thing you're going to see is this. Joy is not a passing emotion. It is a fundamental emotion of the Christian. Whatever you're going through, whatever the circumstance, whatever the difficulty, whatever the challenge, however bleak things are, however strong the storm, for the Christian, there is down deep a settled peace, that's joy. There is, down deep, a confidence, that's joy. There is, in the Christian's life, down deep, regardless of what's going on, a satisfaction, an understanding of who you are, a meaning, a purpose in your life. And nothing, nothing can take that away. Whatever the situation, whatever the circumstance, absolutely nothing can still your joy. The second thing we're going to see as we go through this book is one thing you've heard me say a lot. The Christian life is a process. The Christian life is a step-by-step discipline. The Christian life is pressing on. It's a life of learning through the great times and the challenging times. Turn to chapter 3, verse 12. Here's the Apostle Paul. He's in prison in Rome, and he says this, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. In Christ Jesus. Paul says, I'm not going to be paralyzed by things in my past. I'm not going to be distracted by present, even if it's prison. I'm going to press on to the high calling, to the gold for which God created me. The Christian life is a life of pressing on. I encourage you to read a book called The Spirit of discipline. It's written by a guy named Dallas Willard. And listen to what he says regarding this challenge of pressing on in the Christian life. He says, Today, around every corner, stands someone hawking wisdom and goodness on easy terms. But this is not what history and experience teach. Such instant wisdom is just another expression of our modern Hedonistic ideology fueled by our constitutional right to pursue happiness. Somehow we think that virtue should come easily. Experience teaches to the contrary, that almost everything worth doing in human life is very difficult in its early stages. And the good we are aiming at is never available at first to strengthen us when we seem to need it the most. That's a profound statement. Because we live in a world that says just these seven steps, just read this book, just do these few things, and you'll grow like a weed. Scripture says not the case. It's step after step of discipline. There are no easy fixes. It is pressing on. The Apostle Paul tells us, I don't have it yet. He's been at it a long time when he says that. But I press on to the goal of the high calling. There are times in the process of spiritual development when fear and doubt invade our hearts, sometimes produced by real circumstances, other times by the imagined what-ifs. But fear and doubt, while they can be paralyzing, we're going to learn as we read through and study through this book in the next few weeks, that Paul welcomes us to a life of confidence. Look at chapter 1, verse 3. Paul says this, I thank my God every time I remember you, and all my prayers for all of you I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I am confident of this, that if God has begun a good work in you, he will not drop the ball. He will carry it on. He will complete the task. You can have confidence and you can have joy in the fact that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Do you have that assurance? I grew up in a very small church. Our goal every Sunday was to break a hundred And when we did, we celebrated. It was on the board in the front of the church. And we had great relationships there. Everyone knew everyone, and everyone knew everything about everyone. And in that loving, nurturing, protective environment, I walked down when I was 10 or 11 years old to the front of the church and knelt at an altar, and I trusted in Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And there were people all around who were excited about that, my parents, my family, people who embraced that and who helped me along at that young age. But there was one thing the church taught, and I believed. They taught that you could lose your salvation. So you could have a relationship with Christ one day, and the next day it was gone because you sinned, because you fell. And for most of my life, I grew up in that weird emotion of not really knowing for certain if I was a Christian or not, because I knew my thoughts, and I knew my actions, and I understood if I dropped the ball today, I wasn't a Christian tomorrow. And then, about in my mid-twenties, I began to be introduced to truth of Scripture. A passage like this, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. And in another letter to another group of Christians, Paul expanded on that truth. And because of my background, this is my personal favorite passage in all the Bible. Paul writes this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, you can live with confidence of knowing that you belong to Christ. And when you have that confidence, then you're going to have the joy. Paul's going to talk about throughout the rest of this book. Life will drag you through many changes, but the believer is secure. And nothing, absolutely nothing, can still the confidence. Absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God. Now, as we follow Jesus... There's another thing that Paul's going to talk about, we're going to talk about through this book, that can steal our joy. The writer of the Hebrews puts it like this. He talks about a sin that so easily entangles us. A sin that we're vulnerable to. What sin is that for you? What sin is it like a magnet pulls you toward it? and sometimes you get caught in the trap anything from gossip to jealousy to bitterness from pornography to pride lack of spiritual discipline to discouragement what is that sin that so easily entangles you whatever you're vulnerable to as we go through this book of philippians paul is going to welcome us to a life of freedom. Paul is going to explain to us that through the Holy Spirit, God will give us everything we need to do everything. God has called us to do everything we need to obey. Still be tempted, we'll still fall sometime, but in the process of growth, God will provide for us the strength to have everything we need to look at temptation and obedience and choose obedience instead of disobedience as we look at this letter of Paul, we're going to be welcomed to a life of connection. A life of connection. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. Paul is going to set out some rhetorical questions, and the answer to every question is yes, with an exclamation point. He says, if you have encouragement from being united with Christ, do you have that encouragement? Yes. If you have comfort from His love? Yes. If you have fellowship from His Spirit? Yes. If you have tenderness and compassion if you have that from Christ and you do that's what connection with Jesus Christ looks like then Paul says when you have that connection with Christ you're going to have connection with other people look at verse 2 then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love being one in spirit and purpose do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Connection with Christ and with others. This is not a time for holy huddles. And we're going to see also that a huge part of this connection is unity. But remember, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It is against the one who would want to crater what God is doing. And so in this aspect of connection, we want to make sure we are connecting with God through Christ and with others as well. I'm going to go through these others fairly quickly. Greatness. Paul will welcome us to a life of greatness, and there he will tell us that life of greatness is not about what the world would say, but it's about service. Humbly following Jesus Christ. Because a true leader, Paul will say, is a true servant. If you want to be a leader, then to be a servant of all. We'll talk about significance. We'll talk about purpose as we go through this book. And we'll hear Paul's purpose in saying, I want to know Christ. That's really what I want. I want to know Christ. Everything that Christ is and everything he has for me, I want to know that. Significance and purpose. And then one last thing that I want to talk about today is contentment. Paul will welcome us to a life of contentment. Look at chapter 4, verse 11. Chapter 4, verse 11. Paul says, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I have learned to be content. A process, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. Paul is saying, I can go through every situation. I can do everything God is calling me to do through Him who gives me strength. Contentment is a part of the growth process. Again, don't miss Paul's saying, I have learned the secret of being content. Now, the believers in Philippi no doubt had much to learn about contentment, just as we do. But by one measure, they were showing much progress in that area. They were a very generous, generous church. The church in Philippi realized that what God had given them, it was to be used for others. In fact, one reason Paul writes the letter to the Philippians is to thank them, for their generosity, they have sent him gifts several times. Don't you love it when the church works together to do what the church is supposed to do? As one has well said, there's nothing that works quite like the church when the church is working right. There's nothing that works quite like the church to welcome people to a life of confidence, where they have had a life of doubt and fear. Nothing quite like the church to welcome people to a life of freedom. Nothing quite like the church to explain that greatness is not found in boastful pride, but in serving. Jesus Christ. Nothing quite like the church to welcome people to a life in Jesus Christ that brings purpose and significance and contentment.
0: And please stay with us. Ron returns in a few moments with a look at our next time together. Unity, freedom, and worship are critical measures of the Christian church. Our spiritual health or affliction is proved by how we demonstrate these three virtues. In his PDF devotional titled Vital Signs, Ron Moore offers a checkup for you and your congregation. Its 60 days of spiritual challenges chart the fragile nature of unity, the delicate use of our freedom in Christ, and the correct expression of public worship. A downloadable copy of Vital Signs is yours for a gift of any amount when you visit ronmoore.org. Again, that web address is ronmoore.org. Your gift today will help keep the journey on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now here's Ron with a preview of our next broadcast.
1: Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? Filled with the fruit of righteousness. What does it mean? Let me read this to you. I read this in a great book, Spirit of the Disciplines, Dallas Willard. He explains it. Listen to what he says. I submit my tongue as an instrument of righteousness when I make it bless them that curse me and pray for them that persecute me even though it automatically tends to strike and wound those who have wounded me. I submit my legs to God as instruments of righteousness when I engage them in physical labor as service, perhaps carrying a burden... second mile for someone whom I would rather let my legs kick. I submit my body to righteousness when I do good deeds without letting them be known, though my whole frame cries out to strut and crow. And when I do, I offer up my body as the place of God's action. To be filled with the fruit of righteousness means you offer up yourself as the place of God's action in your home, in your marriage, in your neighborhood, in your world. Here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, please enable me to live in a way that proves beyond any doubt that Jesus is in control of my life.
0: We hope you can join us for that message next time. And please remember to get your copy of Ron's PDF devotional titled Vital Signs, It offers a spiritual checkup for you and your congregation. Vital Signs is available for a gift of any amount when you visit us at ronmoore.org. Plus, we invite you to have a look at our church website at biblechapel.org. There you'll find information about our online worship services and special events, along with Ron's recent sermons, devotional thoughts, and podcasts. Again, that address is biblechapel.org. biblechapel.org. And if the journey has made a difference in your spiritual life, won't you invite your friends and family to listen as well? We'll thank you and we think they will too. Finally, please keep in mind that the journey relies on your generous donations to remain on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Your gift today will be deeply appreciated. You can give at ronmoore.org or you may call 724-731-2018. Thanks for listening. And we invite you to join Ron Moore next time as we walk together on the journey.